Welcome to the Mamas in Midlife podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Lewis, and today's episode is Anxiety with Mikkel Kristen. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a review that I want to read, and it is from Johnson Team Mom. And this review says, I cannot overemphasize how powerful Lisa's podcasts have been for me. She's open and vulnerable, and her words are more than powerful. She explains concepts in a way that we can all relate to. The episode about the dragons had me in tears as I recognized my own anxieties as the dragons in my life. Her explanation about acknowledging them and addressing them have completely empowered me to consider how to find ways to work through them. While her messages are addressed to a particular audience, they are relatable to all. I have shared many of them with members of my own family who suffer from anxiety as well. Thank you, Lisa, for your wisdom. Thank you so much, Johnson Team Mom, for leaving this review. It really uh, meant a lot to be able to see this. Sometimes as podcasters, we don't always know how our content is helping or, you know, how it's being received. And so the reviews are really helpful. So for those of you that have left reviews, thank you so, so much. And if you have not left a review and you enjoy these podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. Why The reason why podcasters ask people to leave reviews is because the reviews help the podcast to get noticed by other people that might be looking for this type of content. And the reason that I do these podcasts is, is so I can offer a service. I myself have benefited so much from the material that I share, and I've seen clients benefit from it, and so I want to be able to get it out there. So if you um, haven't left a review and be willing to, I would greatly appreciate it um, of you living, leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So with that being said, the this review is actually what inspired my the content for this week on anxiety. And my oldest daughter, Mikkel, was visiting last week, and she is a life coach. And she does, she works with individuals that have relationship anxiety. And Mikkel knows a lot about anxiety. She understands it. And I thought, you know what? Let me do, see if she'd be willing to do an interview with me related to anxiety and kind of share her thoughts on it. And of course, she was willing. So, anyway, this is the interview that I did with her. And I hope that you enjoy listening to it. I think she had some really good insights. So let's go ahead and listen to the interview with Mikkel Kristen. Hi, Mikkel. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mom. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I'm excited that you're in town because I was thinking, um, like I said earlier, about anxiety. And I thought Mikkel's in town. Mikkel's a great one to talk about anxiety. So um, just to start off, Mikkel, can you tell the listeners a little bit about about you and what you do. Yeah, so um, my name's Mikkel Kristen. Um, my life, I'm a life coach, and I work with have anxiety around relationships. So uh, often it's women who are looking to they're they're in a good, committed, healthy relationship, and they're um, they start talking about maybe making the next step forward, maybe moving in together, maybe getting married. And they have a lot of anxiety and panic come up and questions about 
you know, is this really the right guy? Like, how do I know if he's the one? And, you know, just a lot of questions and worries. And so that's who I work with. And um, the reason I started working with these women is because that was my own experience, um, which I don't know if we're going to get into in a second. But um, my husband and I, when we were dating, um, I had a lot of anxiety come up for me. And I think anxiety is something I've dealt with for a long time, but definitely like different points in my life that actually like brought it up. And it was that point of my husband and I getting engaged that I think anxiety really surfaced and forced me to actually really start working on it. Okay. Yeah. And that asked you, that was my follow-up question was when you realized that you had been dealing with anxiety and, and like, what was the clue for you to know that that's what you, I mean, obviously you learned later that it was relationship anxiety related to your relationship with your husband, but prior to that, you were de- dealing with it. So how did you know that that was what you had been dealing with and what, like, what was your experience earlier related to the anxiety? Well, I think I have anxiety probably as young as like eight years old. I can remember like different moments where I like worried a lot about things and I, I just kind of felt off or like there'd be a period of times where things felt weird, but I couldn't, you know, it was eight. I didn't have any words to verbalize it. I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't know how to explain it to you guys. And, um, and so I think that that was like as young as I experienced it and, you know, it would ebb and flow. So there are different periods in my life where I feel like I would kind of forget about the feeling of anxiety. I think our brains kind of will get in the habit of thinking a certain way and feeling it. And maybe we're able to kind of distract our brains and it will go away. Um, and so I think I'd have periods where things were better and then it would come up again and I'd be like, Oh no, not this again. But I didn't again have words for it. And, um, so yeah, I think I would experience it. Yeah. You know, set from the age of eight, um, you know, all through my adult years and, um, growing up, I definitely think the way it would manifest itself is I would want to talk to you guys a lot when I worried about something. I wouldn't be able, when I was worried, I had a hard time being able to, in my own head, talk to myself and calm myself down. It was like, I needed you or dad to be able to like help me rationalize through it so I could feel better and always like turning to you guys to calm myself down. Um, which I actually interesting. I read a stat that said that, um, children by the age of 10 should be able to basically calm themselves down that they should have that own self-coping so it's interesting to see because I was like oh I definitely didn't have that I mean I guess I did to an extent but mm-hmm. a lot of times I got really anxious I was like oh I need a mom and dad to help me feel better with this um but I don't think I knew it was anxiety until I was like in my sophomore year of high school and I took a psychology class and they were, we were going through different things and they were describing anxiety. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely what I've been dealing with. And I think also at that point too, our family was not that we weren't open before, but I think that we were at an age where we were able to understand and have more open conversations about mental health. So I think the combination of those things of starting to talk more about mental health in high school, as well as having that um in our family as well as having a high school class is what created the environment where i was able to kind of identify oh, okay this is what i'm dealing with and but didn't necessarily still have the tools to work through it so yeah okay so 
with you saying that with, you know, you were able to identify that it was anxiety, but what were the specific things that you noticed? I mean, you wanted to come and talk to us and you said you might be feeling off, but once you learn more about it, like what specifically did you like, were you able to identify, okay, I know that I'm dealing with anxiety because this is happening. This is happening. What were the specifics for you? Um, man, I'm trying to think like what it was in high school versus like, cause now I think I'm so much more familiar with it. So I can like describe it from my experience now. But like, I think when I was younger, it was just like having intrusive thoughts, right. Unwanted thoughts, um, worrying about like things going horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe like having, I think an overactive sense of guilt for like anything I've done then, you know, like maybe this was wrong or bad. And like, I was a really good kid, but being, again, being hypersensitive to, um, doing anything wrong, really wanting to be a good person, you know, very perfectionistic about grades needing to get A's and everything really catastrophizing if, um, things didn't go the way I thought they would is like, oh my gosh, everything's going to be horrible because of this one thing, you know, getting a B in this class or whatever, getting a B on this test. Um, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing I think is just worrying as that's kind of what it was like from a mental slash personality side. Um, I think the, a lot of us, you know, I think we're either aware of like these thoughts going on in our head we don't like, or we just notice the feeling that we really don't like. So that accompanying feeling with those thoughts is, you know, your heart racing, like shortness of breath, like feeling like you can't think quickly, or maybe even like, sometimes I think anxiety is just kind of something that's constantly buzzing in the background. So I think that I would maybe have days of not having a very specific like thought or trigger to it, but I would just kind of have this buzzing anxiety in the background that's just kind of there when you wake up, you know? Yeah. I, I'm really glad that you described the way that it was feeling in your body because, and, and then the accompanying thoughts. And we know with anxiety that it's, it's definitely a future focused when people are dealing with anxiety. Like you talked about catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes the thoughts are the what ifs, what if this happens? What if this, I've had clients that, you know, worry about, you know, what if something happens to my family or what if we go on the trip and this happens? And so, and then they start thinking and the narrative or the story starts running Mm -hmm. of all the different horrible things that will happen. And then they have the reaction in their body that you were describing the racing heart and the, um, maybe the shaking or different symptoms within the body because it starts with those thoughts Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it is future focused. Yeah. And I think like, um, a lot of anxiety is very centered in a need for control. So when we think, what if like our brain has lots of thoughts every single day, like 60,000. And a lot of those thoughts, our brain's job is to predict the future. Like that's a survival mechanism is our brain predicts what could happen because if it can predict any potential threats, then it can keep us safe. So it's like an evolutionary thing. It was necessary for our brains to be able to think like, Ooh, if we go here, like this could be dangerous. Like there could be a tiger there or whatever. But, you know, obviously now, you know, there's so many different things in the world that could happen and our brains just kind of get carried away with imagining all these different possibilities that really aren't immediate threats. Like you think about going on a family trip and you maybe start wondering like, Ooh, what if I, um, you know, what if we get a car wreck and one of my kids dies? So, 
um, you know, like just that thought, you know, if that's something that resonates for you, you might even just feel your heart drop just hearing someone say that, right? But being able to recognize it's like, okay, this is anxiety, right? Because what happens a lot of times is we have a thought like that and we're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. So we try to hurry and shove it down and try to ignore it or we go to try to control. And I think that's generally what it is, is anxiety is so focused on controlling future outcomes. So it thinks, okay, if I can predict, if I can worry about everything now, then I can take all the action today to protect myself from that future event. So I'm going to make sure that my husband never goes over the speed limit on our trip, or I'm going to just decide we should just cancel the trip. And I'm going to give some reason, like we should save money, right? That you're going to do all these things in order to prevent yourself from going on this trip to prevent this future outcome that you're worried about. You feel this panic and you've this very strong emotion with. And so your brain's kind of like convinced that like, this is real. This is going to happen because of the strong emotion and the repeated thought. The more we think of thought, the more true it feels to us. So this imagined scenario in your head feels very real and very, very true for you. Mm -hmm. And so you're convinced you have to control it. And Obviously, there's a problem with that because we can't control the future. We as humans cannot. And a big thing with overcoming anxiety is like recognizing that I can't control the future. Like it is possible we could go on a road trip and a kid could die, right? Or maybe because we stay home, maybe a kid dies, right? Like we just don't know. And I know that sounds very scary to recognize, but there's also some peace that comes with it of like, I can't control this. I mean, I want you to think about all the different scenarios you've imagined of like horrible things that could go wrong. Like how many of you imagined a pandemic? I didn't. No. <laughs> this is not one of the things I thought of. <laughs> That's true. This is true. And then, uh, yeah, we didn't imagine after the pandemic that there could be more craziness happening and like riots, right? Like yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen. And so as useful as it feels to imagine where things can go wrong, it really doesn't serve us because there's millions of possibilities of things that could happen and what your brain's imagining it's probably not one of them and so you can waste all your brain energy trying to figure out how things can go wrong and trying to control it or you can make peace with like there could be pain in the future mm -hmm. and i'll deal with it when it happens mm -hmm. rather than creating unnecessary pain and feeling it for now. myself now yeah totally yeah, no, I'm so glad you have such a great understanding of this. And this is why I thought you'd be so good on speaking on the subject. You just really have an understanding of, of anxiety and the impact it has on us and what's going on. Um, just to follow up with that, what, what have you personally done that you have found helpful to be able to manage the anxiety that you've experienced? Yeah, so I think the, the big one is kind of what we just talked about a little bit, which is the making peace with your worst case scenario. I know that's really hard for a lot of us to do, like with the road trip example and the idea of maybe a kid dying, right? Like um, that that's kind of hard for, you know, moms to make peace with, but just being able to recognize like, you know, if that happens, it'll be okay. Like I will feel a lot of grief. I'll feel a lot of disappointment. I'll feel a lot of heartbreak. And I can process that. I'll, you know, I'll miss my kid, right? Life's going to be different. But being able to recognize, like, if that happens, I will deal with all that emotional pain that's going to come up in that situation. 
at that time. At that time, right? And that's the interesting thing too about anxiety is if we were to go through that event, there's like a lot of negative emotions that would come with it. None of those I don't think are anxiety really. It would just be all the grief and the yeah. and like disappointment and like hurt. Right. All those emotions. But so instead of like our fear of feeling those, we say, okay, I'll just feel anxiety now. Mm-hmm. Right. So recognizing like you are a strong human being who's capable of going through hard things. And if that happens, we'll deal with it. But us thinking and worrying about it right now does nothing to prevent or change whatever you're afraid of. So I think really making peace with your worst case scenario, like kind of shuts your brain up a little bit because then you're not trying to control and prevent it and looping on it. You're just Mm -hmm. like, we'll deal with that when it happens. And you give yourself permission to move forward. Your brain wants so hard to solve problems. And so we have to be able to give it problems to solve in your brain, solving for a problem that doesn't exist yet. So let's, it's like, let's be present in the moment, like being aware of your day. So many of my clients, when they have a busy week, when they have a lot going on with work, they notice their anxiety is actually lessened because their brain's focusing on solving different problems than like their relationship. And so giving yourself like a productive outlet to problem solve because your brain's going to find a problem to solve. And, you know, maybe it's like worrying about something in the future, but maybe it could be like, Ooh, maybe I could try starting this new hobby. Maybe I could learn how to do this thing. Maybe I could finally do this project on the house that I've been wanting to do. Um, maybe I could get a job, right? Who knows? But your brain's going to want to find a problem to solve. And so give it a good productive problem to solve rather than whatever the anxious problem mm-hmm. is you've been trying to solve. Ashley, just a quick question related to that. What if somebody has, I mean, like say in a scenario where maybe there's been a significant loss or a death and they have experienced that before. And so they have evidence to, to support, oh, it could happen again. Like, what would you recommend to somebody that's, you know, maybe has had something that's been really hard happen. And so the anxiety they feel is related to it happening again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I had a client that did kind of, she actually had lost her father and that was like kind of her fear was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to lose someone in the future. Um, like I keep losing people. That was her story. Mm-hmm. Like she's finding ways that people were leaving her in her life. Um, and one of the things we talked a lot about is how like, yeah, you can use our brain's going to find evidence for whatever we look for. Um, and it like tends to go to the past because it's hard for us to like imagine the future, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but so it goes to the past and says, look, this happened before. So we're going to go through this pain again. Um, but we can use that past event as evidence for so many different things. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, look, someone died before. So we're going to have to go through someone dying again. Like what we could look at it as is like, I went through this really hard thing and I was so strong and I was able to get through it. And I was able to come out like the person I am today because of it. And I learned these things about myself. I have a new level of like appreciation for my family members. Like I, yes, it was really hard, but this is what I learned from it. And this is how I got through it. And I could do it again. Mm, that's good. Like, look, cause we can use it as evidence for this will happen again. And so you answer your brain with maybe it will happen again. And we're capable of dealing with it again. Yeah. We've already done it, it once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. <clears throat> so did, was, 
aside from being able to, I guess, go to worst case scenario, mm -hmm. being able to recognize what's happening in your brain with some of the thoughts, were there other things that you used to help you in managing or that was helpful in managing yeah. anxiety? I think the other big thing with anxiety is being able to not think so much because <laughs> we're just spinning and thinking. And so being able to use a method to get out of your head. So I know you've talked about this on the podcast, but like doing grounding, right? Like paying attention to your physical surrounding or taking time to process your emotions. So when you notice like yesterday I was feeling anxiety and so it's like, okay, my head's wanting to just think about what makes me feel anxious and I could do that or I could just notice what I'm feeling. Like I notice where I feel at my chest, like maybe it's like a sinking feeling in my stomach and just being able to sit with that negative emotion. Uh, because ultimately I think with any mental health issue is we're trying to avoid pain, right? We don't want to feel the pain of the anxiety or the pain of any negative emotion. And so being able to prove to ourselves, like you're capable of experiencing this emotional pain is the only way we really move through it. And that's how we create mental health is by allowing ourselves to feel emotions because when we seek avoiding emotional pain, that's where we end up creating mental health issues for ourselves because we're avoiding the feelings. We're avoiding future pain. We're avoiding the pain now. And we loop in on healthy thought patterns to do that mm -hmm. versus when we let ourselves just acknowledge our emotion and feel it in our bodies. That's when we move through it. That's when we're able to move on. That's how we healthily deal with our emotions and our anxiety. Okay. So talk just a little bit more about what it looks like to act. Well, for one, to acknowledge it. So you're naming it, mm -hmm. but then what it looks like to process it in your body. And is there a timeline for how long? Cause if we're letting it process in our body, is it going to happen that day or could it take sometimes days? Could it sometimes take weeks? Like what? Yeah. And I have, sp I've talked about this a little bit on the acknowledging emotions podcast related to, um, there's no such thing as a dragon. And I did talk a little bit about this, but like for you personally, if you could just walk through how you do that for yourself, I think it would be really helpful to hear that. Yeah. It's kind of like a hard thing to verbalize because I, it almost is like a little bit intangible for me of like, I, I, and I walk my clients through this. So I'll kind of like, just tell you guys how I, how I do it with my clients. Um, but basically it is, um, yeah, being able to name the emotion and, like I've actually, I think even like saying with anxiety specifically, it's like, you'd say I'm feeling anxiety. And then the question is, how are we responding to the anxiety? Like we have anxiety closed where we're closing off to the anxiety. We're resisting it. We're like, when's this going to go away? Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel this. Um, like, okay, I'm maybe trying to kind of feel it. Like it's not going away. It's not going away. Right. Versus anxious and open, which is just like, okay, anxiety's here. And my door's wide open. Like it can be here as long as it needs to be. I'm not fighting you. I'm not trying to get rid of you because what happens is we feel anxious and then we're anxious about the fact that we're anxious mm -hmm. and it just builds versus like, I feel anxious right now and that's okay. We immediately let go of some of that resistance and tension we had built up. We're just like opening up to it. We're making peace with acknowledging this is where I'm at and it's okay. I don't need to be at any different place than where I'm at right now. Um, so opening up to your anxiety, like giving it permission to be there 
and then just like noticing what it feels like. So I have a series of questions I walk my clients through and I think you kind of end up figuring out what works best for you. And some of them maybe seem a little like woo woo and kind of weird, Mm -hmm. but really the goal is to get you out of your head and into your body. So it's kind of a little bit like a meditative exercise, but just like, oh, where do I feel it? Do I feel it in my chest? Do I feel it in my stomach? In my throat, that's where I tend to notice my anxiety generally is like my heart's racing, my throat feels tight, maybe there's like this sinking, dropping feeling in my heart and my stomach, um, or like maybe like even a spinning or like a whirling and just kind of like imagining what it looks like in your body. There might be a color that you see, maybe there's like a texture or a temperature, maybe it's really hot or cold, um, it might be fast or slow. I'd say most people with anxiety, it's a quick emotion. It feels fast, but just like describing it. And what you're doing is you're directing your mind. Your mind's telling this story with all these thoughts that make you anxious. And we say, no, we're not thinking those thoughts that make us anxious right now. We're just thinking about what's going on in our body. You're giving your brain something to think about and you're thinking about your emotions and that naturally will calm you down. And naturally your brain's going to go back to the story that makes you feel anxious. So you're going to have the anxiety come up again and you say, okay, no, we're just going to feel this right now. And you might have something that makes you anxious and you feel like you need to solve for it and you can solve for it, but let's not do it from that anxious place. So taking time to process, this is something I talk about my clients is, yeah, you totally should think about your relationship. I want you to consider your relationship. I want you to make a decision that feels good, but let's not do it from this anxious place. So Mm -hmm. when this anxiety is so strong about deciding if you should get married, let's just focus on feeling anxious right now. And we'll work on that decision when we're in a better mental space. Yes. And that's the part that I love because when we are experiencing emotions that intense, we're not able to think with our, with our logical, the logical part of our brain Mm -hmm. and we don't make good decisions. Um, I actually just had someone recently tell me about how they were feeling anxiety and they were practicing some breathing that we had practiced in the office and that they noticed after doing the breathing that their system did calm down. And then they were able to think logically about the experience that they were currently in that was causing them anxiety. Uh And they were able to think new thoughts that were helpful to them because they allowed for that anxiety. And they, you know, did some breathing to help in calming their system. Yeah. Because a lot of times when we feel anxious, our go-to is like, okay, I need to hurry and think about something different. Right. And we're trying to change our mind, but that, that thought that makes you anxious feels so compelling and feels so strong. And in that moment, all you can do is give yourself permission to feel the anxiety and process it. And then once we process the anxiety, then there might be some room for like, okay, maybe now we can change our thinking a little bit. But in that moment, all we can do is like, I'm not thinking right now. Brain, you're getting a break right now because you're not being helpful. <laughs> so we're going to just feel it. We're going to notice what it feels like. We're going to open up to this. It might take some time. And like, I'm going to make peace with like being anxious right now. And what you'll notice my clients know this is when they give themselves permission to feel anxiety, when they genuinely open up to it, the anxiety is really not that bad. It's just like this, your heart's racing, your breathing's quick, it feels hot and maybe like butterflies a little bit and maybe a tight throat and then it just kind of goes away and then it kind of comes back. But it's like, that's it. Like, that's what you're so afraid of is that heart racing feeling like if that's your worst case scenario right now, you can deal with that. That's really not that bad. Yeah. 
I, I think this is so helpful. And, and I, the only other thing that I would probably add to it that, that I did, I talked about this on a, another podcast as well. Um, it was actually the one I talked about the one where you coached me through after the test that I uh-huh. <laughs> failed and how you did this exact thing. And you had me go through what was going on in my body and how I noticed instantly that I calmed down. But what I noticed is the sad feelings that I was experiencing as a result of the situation, mm-hmm. that it didn't go away immediately. It kind of was off and on for about a couple week period of time. But what I did during that time is I continued to nurture myself and ask myself what I needed and allowed myself to experience the emotion. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think it does go away more quickly. And I think there are some situations where we may feel it a little bit longer but again, being willing to allow for it mm-hmm. and then asking ourselves, what is it we need also and nurture ourselves through that process mm-hmm. of, of while we're experiencing the emotions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. This is really, really good. I feel like we covered some really good um, basic things related to anxiety. Um, is there anything else that you would add to what you already talked about today? Um, I think just the um anxiety is a journey <laughs> my husband thinks that the whole like that when you say things are a journey it sounds cheesy but <laughs> it, it really is like just because I think sometimes like we maybe will notice ourselves like I talked about having periods in my life where anxiety would not be as intense and then I would feel it again and um you know obviously where I'm at now I have a lot of tools to deal with anxiety um but it still comes up for me. And also I have clients that, you know, they feel like they're in a much better place, but it still comes up for them. And I think sometimes dealing with anxiety is kind of a two steps forward, one step back thing. And so I think just having grace and compassion with yourself and not getting frustrated or anxious, right. About your anxiety and just knowing like that it takes time to learn how to work through and also knowing that like, it's never going to totally go away. Like part of being human is you're going to feel anxiety, right? Like I said, this is kind of a survival mechanism. Like our fear is part of what protects us. And so knowing that this is just your brain trying to protect you, it's well-intended. And, um, sometimes you want to feel afraid about things. You want to feel anxious about something and, having room for that room for your own humanness rather than demanding peace and happiness all of the time and demanding yourself to be over it making really just having compassion for yourself where you're at right now and even after you do this work having compassion with yourself as you make progress and kind of step back a few steps too that's good that's why as you were talking i was thinking that whole self-compassion piece and Mm -hmm. how important that is to have that yes um, Mikel, thank you so much for coming on. I, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, you were the perfect one to talk on this. And I, I think that you really have grown or that you've learned so much through, you know, being a coach and working on your own stuff and working with clients that deal with anxiety and just you, you just a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for sharing this. If people want to learn more about what you do, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, my podcast that I run is called Relationship Anxiety. And my website is mckellkristen.com, M-C-K-E-L-L-K-R-I-S-T-E-N.com. And uh, that's my Instagram handle as well as mckellkristen. 
All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming to visit me and thanks for doing a podcast with me. You're it welcome. was awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this interview with Mikkel. Again, I think she had some really great insights. And I will link in the show notes her information if you're interested in connecting with her. And I will see you next week on the Mamas and Midlife podcast.